With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another Sacred Cow Barbecue, everyone. I'm your host, Patricia Aiken, and I'm delighted to welcome my guest today. We're actually pre-recording because it's 7 a.m. here in Vegas and 9 p.m. in Bangkok, Thailand. And that's where my guest, Eric Dubé, lives. He's the author of several books, among them The Atlantean Conspiracy, which covers the conspiracy from A to Z. The Flat Earth Conspiracy, and that's what he's really known for. But he has a recent title that I want to turn everybody on to. It's called 200 Proofs Earth is Not a Spinning Ball. And you can actually go to AtlanteanConspiracy.com and get a PDF of it right now. But uh, you'll want to listen to this first. Welcome to Sacred Cow Barbecue, Eric. Happy to have you here today. Hey, Patricia. Thanks for having me on. Before we get started on all the cool stuff, I just want to ask you because I've had I've had my share of converts and I'm delighted to say about getting people to see that the earth is flat. Well, and it's not a matter of seeing it so much as it is just opening their mind to it because once you open your mind to it, it's completely obvious. But the one thing that I haven't been able to overcome is people that insist I've seen the curvature of the earth. Have they? Have they really seen the curvature of the earth? I wonder. Um... The only time that we ever see curvature is in NASA's photos or videos that they're giving us, which are clearly CGI. Uh, when you're in a plane, the horizon rises to your eye level, and some people say they might have seen the curvature at 35,000 feet out a plane window. I have to take into account the curved glass and the fact that the horizon is at your eye level. Now, if the Earth was a ball, no matter how big it was, it would be well below your eye level at 35,000 feet. It would remain where it was, the horizon. And as you rose up, you'd have to look down and down further the higher you rose. But you find that doesn't happen at all. You can rise straight up in an airplane at as high an arc as you can, keep your eyes fixed on the horizon the whole way up, and it's going to be rising right up to your eye level all the way. That's only consistent with a flat plane. So... People may see curvature in wide-angle lens photography, um, the curve of the window, it's a very slight curve. Uh, most of it is just confirmation bias. They're looking at a f clearly flat horizon, and they may see some little curve of the windows, or they're seeing a fisheye lens and not equating it as such, and claiming they've seen the curvature. But uh, take another look, and you'll see that the horizon's always flat, no matter where you are. Excellent. That's what that's what I say. I lived at the ocean. You you live on the ocean. Uh, have an ocean nearby. It's always flat. I don't care how. <laughs> yeah, uh, amateur rockets and balloons up, up to over twenty miles high. It's still flat all the way around. Panoramic view and rises to the eye level. The only curvature you see is in these official space agency, NASA, RASA, JAXA, and all these other government agencies that claim to go much higher than any of us amateurs can go, and then the curvature starts to happen. Uh, but like I said, these look suspiciously like computer-generated images, CGI, and a lot of them they admit are such, uh, all these satellite images and whatnot, they, uh, they admit they use Photoshop to render them. Yeah, that's pretty amazing when they, they admit to it. 
well, all right, that's what I'm going to say from now on. And, and our, our eyes really don't see. Not Our eyes aren't really like a camera that we take stuff in, process the film on, on the back of our brain or anything like that. It's really putting a lot of information together. And I think when our brains are telling us that it's a curved earth, people are going to see a curve if they want to see one. Yeah, that's the, the confirmation bias issue. Uh, you've been told since you were a little kid that it's a spinning ball. The teacher has a spinning ball globe on their desk. You've been told how gravity keeps you and buildings and water and everything perfectly stuck to this spinning ball, even though you and no one in history has ever seen, felt, heard, uh, or experienced any of this uh, curvature or motion. Um, so, there's quite the confirmation bias to overcome when you're looking at a flat horizon, but you've been told the opposite your whole life, you may start to see curves where they don't exist. Let's talk about you. You were actually raised in New England, raised in Maine, right? Yep. Real strong fundamentalist family or Bible-believing family? Yeah, non-denominational Christian, they call it. Oh, non-denominational Christian. I, I was one of those. Okay, it's a denomination of itself in itself. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Absolutely. Hallelujah. <laughs> and did you ever buy into that? No. <laughs> uh, since five years old, I've been asking what I thought were common sense questions about the fables I was being taught, and I never got satisfactory answers from anyone in my family, and that's where my personal spiritual quest kind of began, and my first book I wrote was asbestos, and right from the first page, that's kind of what it's about, is people trying to feed me Jesus, and, you know, fairy tales about men living in whales, and talking snakes, and telling me this is the literal, absolute truth, and the word of God, and giving me self-referential statements when I ask for, um, evidence, you know, so uh, even from a very young age, I, I had a lot of questions about the Bible stories, and uh, to their credit, my family did the best they could trying to give me the biblical answers they were taught by their biblical hierarchy, uh, but it never satisfied me, so um, that's, that's why I ended up probably majoring in philosophies, because I kind of wanted to f figure out this, this whole thing for myself, because what I was being taught really wasn't it. Well, you must have been pretty darn shocked when you found out that the Bible said that the earth was flat and movable, the sun, the moon, and the stars revolve around us, and says it somewhere around 70 times or more, right? Something like that, yeah. What? The Bible definitely does purport a flat, geocentric, stationary earth, uh, the sun and moon being equal luminaries revolving around us. Uh, so very contrary to the the past 500 or so years of the heliocentric deception we've been read. So let's start with, what do you think the beginning of the heliocentric? Uh, well, the, the very beginning would have been Pythagoras. He's the first one to have thought of the idea about 2,500 years ago. Uh, but it didn't really take steam until 500 years ago with Copernicus's book. And then uh, since then, uh, with Galileo, Newton, Einstein, and now with NASA, the belief in a heliocentric spinning ball Earth has rapidly increased. Um, but as of late, it's been on the decline, thanks to uh, some terrible videography and CGI photos by NASA and some excellent work by conspiracy researchers pointing out all of this uh, fraudulent 
the moon landing hoax and these, these supposed Mars landings and everything, uh, once you figure out that NASA's feeding you a line of trash, you find out the reason why is that they've been lying about Earth being the flat, stationary center of the universe in which everything in the cosmos revolves around. They've uprooted us from, from that position and sent us spinning around in infinite circles and infinite space. Uh, that's the model we've been believing in, even though it's contrary to all evidence and experiments for the past several hundred years. And they're holding it up with theories like relativity and uh, other things. Yeah, they just don't hold, it just doesn't hold water when you look at it. And as shocking as it is the first time you hear it, I was screaming on the inside, no, don't, don't do this. I mean, the first time I, a friend of mine brought this up on a radio, on her radio show, I was like shocked. But you know what's funny is it had kind of a stigma because I said to her later, and she says, how long have you known about this? And she said, about a month. And I go, were you going to mention it? And she said, well, I was, I didn't know who would think I was crazy or not. The truth, uh, you know, the original truth speaker always sounds like a raving lunatic. I mean, what does that matter? <laughs> so, but you, ne you never bought the spinning, spinning ball thing. Not completely. Uh, I remember asking in school about why the water didn't run off of the ball and being told that there's this force called gravity that holds it to the ball. Um, but of course, a wet spinning tennis ball doesn't behave that way. And they can't show and haven't shown any mass by virtue of its mass alone to cause some other mass to stick to it, as they say that the oceans are able to do with gravity. So actually, this gravity is a theory only. It's never been proven. And they use it to explain away a bunch of common sense, you know, things such as if it was a spinning ball with 70% water, how the heck would the water stay to the bottom of the spinning ball? It just conveniently give you this answer, gravity, like that takes care of it. But think about it, if, if gravity was strong enough to hold the water in place, like a gel or something, how would fish be able to swim through the water? If gravity is strong enough to hold us, our feet, upside down on a spinning ball in Australia, why is it weak enough to allow little bugs and birds to take off and fly in any direction without any trouble whatsoever? So gravity is just a convenient excuse for them, but when you really critically think about the things they're claiming gravity does, it's the, a contradiction. Uh, it's, it's super strong and super weak all at the same time. It's able to pull the tides to the moon, but not uh, strong enough to bring the moon to the earth sucking into us, or the earth sucking into the sun. Everything is just perfectly in perfect circles, and entropy never weighs in. The velocity of the supposed spinning balls are all completely uh, constant, so it never slows down, never speeds up, and of course that's their excuse for why you never feel any of this supposed thousand mile per hour motion, is because it's it's perfect constant velocity, so you just don't feel it. The whole, the whole model is excuses that you've been taught in school, so you're shaking your head like, yeah, yeah I've heard that, I've heard that, but you really think about it, Look out the window, you don't see any spinning. There's, there's clouds moving in opposite directions simultaneously, often. Uh, you can feel the slightest westward breeze, but you can't feel any of this supposed thousand mile per hour eastward motion. None of it's visible in the stars, uh, the supposed motion around the galaxies and everything. Uh, yeah, I, I love the star trails, you know, time lapse photos. That, that exposes it right there, don't you think? Absolutely. 
that the fact that you can photograph star trails making perfect circles around Polaris anywhere from the Tropic of Capricorn northwards, and you can photograph star trails anywhere on the Earth, uh, and what you receive is completely inconsistent with a spinning ball. If you're on a ball, for instance, to be able to photograph Polaris and the stars revolving around it all night, uh, you'd have to be shooting through the ball for part of the, the revolution uh, to be able to see up there. But it's not the case. You can see uh, complete revolutions at least until uh, daylight starts up again. And uh, people have left time lapses going for night after night. And of course, century after century, millennia after millennia, Polaris stays exactly where it is and all the other stars are revolving these perfect circles right around it. So how is that possible if Earth is supposedly spinning 67,000 miles per hour around the Sun while the Sun is spinning 500,000 miles per hour around the Milky Way and the Milky Way is spinning 670 million miles per hour? <laughs> it gets more and more ridiculous. And they say it with a straight face. Oh, absolutely. Neil deGrasse Tyson, he can, he can uh, give you a, a bullshit sandwich uh, with a straight face and a smile and everybody... And a song. I've, I've actually heard him sing. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they love it. They eat it up. I don't know. He's got some charisma happening there. You just put a NASA logo on your shirt and ham it up, and everybody buys it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. What I like about it, his stuff, though, is that he says now that the Earth is really pear-shaped with a, a bulge right. at the bottom. So how come we're still seeing ball images come back and we're not seeing pear images? Right. And he admits that uh, it, it was an oblate spheroid for a while before it turned into a pear. And of course, all the pictures show a perfect sphere. So there's three different shapes that they've claimed the Earth actually is, yet the supposed photographic evidence is only showing one of them. And it's the earliest one. <laughs> so their new two uh, ideas of how the Earth is shaped as an oblate spheroid or pear-shaped an oblate spheroid flattened at the poles, bulging south of the equator, as they say, uh, it's just not evident in any of their material. So their uh, words aren't backing up their pictures. Well, let's not let a few facts get in the way. Gosh. <laughs> never let that happen. <laughs> exactly. Never a straight answer. Yeah, never a straight answer. Exactly. National Association of Space Actors. Let's get to the space actors. The first time I saw those international space stations videos i go wow look that's wow look at her hair i mean i was like wow really your hair does that i mean i i thought it was kind of cool but then i knew about the vomit comet and now they're saying that the space space station goes seventeen thousand miles an hour that's right that's right you know not, not only is the earth spinning a thousand miles per hour they say gravity clutches the atmosphere with it so that the atmosphere is also spinning and of course the higher you go the further away you are from the center of rotation so it has to get faster and faster and where they claim the ISS is the spinning atmosphere is actually spinning at 17,000 miles per hour uh, past all this space debris and 20,000 satellites that you never see and of course it seems completely motionless in all their videos and you see little bubbles forming in the, the, the water tank and you see the LCD screen of the fake earth beneath them uh, with the wave through it. And, uh, and you see the, the green screen wires that are holding them up like acrobats? 
or whatever. You can see the, the harnesses, and you, you can watch their footage on fast forward and see that they're clearly in a harness because they don't move through. In certain uh, certain clips, they don't move through space. They're just suspended in a harness, so they'll they won't move uh, anywhere, you know, front to back, left or right. But they will move on their z-axis all the time, and they can even do spins when they're in these harnesses. So the, with the way they fake the ISS is green screens and harnesses is how they do the long segments. The vomit comet you mentioned is how they do the shorter free-range segments. They're just in these zero-g planes doing parabolic maneuvers, giving the effect of zero-g. The, the other ones, like I said, are outside the ISS. Those ones are done in dark pools with LCD screens projecting a, a ball earth underneath them. And you can see air bubbles in the water all the time. The, the new one just came out this week. There's more air bubbles. It's, when you're filming in a pool, it's difficult to have all your shots have no bubbles in it. And you'll notice that all this supposed space footage has got all these space bubbles in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I guess what I need to say is, how, how do they even open the door if they're going 17,000 miles an hour? I mean, I can't get my door open at, at, at 60 miles an hour. How do they get there? How does that work? Right. And, and how, how are the clouds just moving ever so slightly? How is the wind blowing in every direction ever so slightly? Um, why aren't planes affected by this spinning atmosphere? Yeah, there's a lot they have to answer for, and they do have convenient excuses for literally everything. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Give me your for instance. <laughs> well, I was thinking of the one, this is one of the, the proofs um, for my new book, number 15. If the Earth were truly a sphere, 25,000 miles in circumference, airplane pilots would have to constantly correct their altitudes downwards. That's so what I was going to say. Off into outer space. I was a student pilot. You, yeah. you never have pointed down until you want to land. That's right, you get up to the desired altitude and the artificial horizon remains level. And what they tell you, what they tell pilots, is that the planes are really advanced now. What they do is when you get to whatever altitude, it locks into the air pressure at that altitude. And then as the curve of the Earth happens, it automatically course corrects for you based on the pressure of the airplane. This is what they tell pilots. This is what they'll tell you if you try to figure out, yeah, why is that? Because if you were going 500 miles per hour, you'd have to constantly dip your nose downwards 2,777 feet over half a mile every minute. Otherwise, without compensation in one hour's time, you'd be 31 and a half miles higher than expected. So the way that they, you know, they have, like I said, they have ridiculous excuses for all of these excellent proofs. This one being that the, the, the plane technology is really high now, so they lock into the air pressure and, and the pilots don't even know it. And the plane just automatically course corrects for the curve of the earth. And that's, that's, that's why. Uh, that's and when did they start that autocorrect feature? Right? Good question. I'd love to hear. I, I'd love to, I'd love to hear, cause, cause I fly a little tomahawk, the slowest general aviation plane out there, or a beachcraft. I mean, pretty, pretty slow. Even on a cross country trip, straight and level. And why isn't any of this thousand mile per hour atmosphere affecting you if you're taking off in all directions, you know? Is it, is it more difficult to go westward? I don't think so. No, as a matter of fact, you fly from Los Angeles to, to Honolulu, guess what? One direction should be a lot longer. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't be able to get there if the Earth's spinning about 1,000 miles an hour because you're only turning, you're only flying 500 miles an hour, right? Is that what commercial aviation flies? 
absolutely. I mean, that's what common sense tells you. But again, they'll give you an excuse contrary to your common sense, and they'll say, "Well, it's it's all relative, you see, because the you know, the ball is spinning and you're on it, and when you take off, you're already moving relative to to that spinning motion. So you don't even know it. But right now, you know, you're spinning a thousand miles per hour. The air above you is spinning a thousand miles per hour. So when you take off, no matter what direction." That's already into taken into account, and not only that, but think about this: if it's a ball, then it's a thousand miles, a thousand thirty-eight miles per hour. They tell us at the equator, and then all the way up to the north and south poles would have to be zero miles per hour. The spinning ball in the atmosphere above it would have to compensate all the way, right? Because at the very north pole, you're not you're not moving at all; you're just pirouetting uh, in place. But then from there outwards, progressively to the equator. The ball in the spinning, gravitized, stuck atmosphere they claim would also have to be spinning faster and faster as you go. So again, none of this is evident anywhere, but they just say that well, you know, because it's already it's at a constant velocity, so you don't notice it. Okay. Next question. Frames of reference answered. NASA. <laughs> and who sat down and thought all this up? <laughs> They've been coming up with it as they go along, you know, like the the twenty three point five degree tilt. They had to come up with that because you can see Polaris all the way from twenty three point five degrees south latitude. So we'll just lean the ball Earth back, relax a little bit, tilt our head back so we can see Polaris and keep bullshitting, keep it going, you know. If, but that was true. The stars would be whooshing by us constantly at, at six, seven, eight hundred miles an hour. They'd be whooshing around us. And their relative distances from each other would be changing all the time. If they were something, you know, the closest one is 4.2 light years away, 25 trillion miles away. That's the closest. And then all the others are much further away. If that's the case, then as we are spinning through the, uh, around the sun, and the sun around the galaxy, and the galaxy through the infinite universe, that these um, stars should be changing their relative positions from one another all the time. The, the night sky should never be the same twice, based on their model. But in fact, as we said, the night sky remains the same, day in, day out, year in, year out, century after century, millennia after millennia. The Polaris is right there. All the stars are spinning right around it, and they're doing so. The stars closest to Polaris spin a little slower. The ones further away spin faster. So they're they're spinning in a geocentric pattern. They're not spinning in the way that this heliocentric model claims. Right. And what about the so-called planets? The planets were always called the wandering stars. When you look at the planets, they look just like the other stars. Some some of the stars they call stars, some of them they call planets. But if you were just looking with a telescope or with your naked eyes, they just look like stars. And we don't even we can't even say what stars are. Let's talk about that. Stars are quite a mystery. They twinkle. They change color. Uh, sometimes they move. They shooting stars. And they have tails and they burn up. Well, what are these things? Some of them even seem conscious. I've seen some move and then stop and then move again. Um, but anyway, what are planets? They tell us that we are on a planet, but really all they've done is added a T to the word plane, because that's what we're really on. We're on a plane, which is another word for flat. And you add a T to that, and they claim that that's a spinning ball, and that all these other wandering stars are also spinning balls. But when you look at Mars or Venus or any of these planets through a telescope, they don't give the appearance of spherical spinning balls as they are shown to us by NASA images. They just look like flat, luminous disks. They just look like 
little circles of light. No matter how good the amateur telescope you get, that's what it's going to look like. But then NASA magically has these telescopes that are like thousands of times better than any telescope you or I could get, and suddenly they look like CGI spinning balls. So planets are just another deception. I challenge you to go on YouTube or even NASA's official website and type in something like actual planet footage, real planet footage. You won't find any. All of it is clearly CGI, and when pressed, they admit that it's CGI or that it's been rendered through Photoshop or whatnot, that it's ribbons of imagery and it's been taken from several satellites and pasted together, and that's why it looks computer done. Again, they have excuses for everything. They're not going to let you uh, kind of trade a hole without some excuse, no matter how lame it is, to prop up their dying model. <laughs> I know it's it's remarkably they're creative. They're very creative. You have to give them that. But so we just let's before we leave stars for a minute because we just had we're still in August and it's Perseid meteor showers. Well, what what is a meteor shower? Right, and and how can they predict them if we're spinning through all these various motions? How is it that they know? Oh, we're about to have a meteor shower. Really? And it's the same meteor shower every year at the same time. Interesting. It seems very cyclical, as though things are revolving around us, unlike what they're saying. And so, so the meteor thing is another big mystery. So, like, for instance, when I, I've seen shooting stars, and it's like a, a light in the sky with a tail behind it, and it goes, and then it disappears. Uh, what is that? It seems to go a little ways. Then I've seen these things on Russian dash cams where it's like a huge fireball that's coming down. We've seen these things, and they call these meteorites. Um, these, interestingly enough, though, always seem to come in at the same angle, like they're being shot from a jet or something. I wonder whether these things are actually uh, celestial phenomena or some sort of military thing, these ones that they're calling meteors. Then you've got the craters that supposed craters that meteors have left. Some of them don't look at all like craters. Some of them look more like some sort of volcanic thing happening from underneath than something exploding from over the top, especially considering the fact that none of the meteor residues is left on some of these sites that they claim to have been craters created by meteors. <laughs> so exactly what a meteor... I mean, there's so many words for it. Well, so, souvenir, souvenir hunters must have gone in and picked all that up. What was that? Souvenir hunters must have gone in and picked okay. up all the debris. That's, yes, yeah. absolutely. Or maybe they, they turned them into moon rocks. There you go. <laughs> Those are found to be fake, by the way. The, uh, the, the moon rocks that were presented to museums by Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, uh, some of them were found to be petrified wood. Uh, so they didn't, didn't do uh, their, their homework very well on... Uh, sussing out what, where to get good moon rocks from. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just crazy. This thing has, like, exploded on the Internet, and you seem to be the person that it's exploded around. You're the center of this, it seems to me. Would, would you agree? There wasn't, of all this, there's been a 600% increase in the Flat Earth keyword in Google Analytics since November, which is when I put out my... Flat Earth book and documentary. Um, so before that, there there wasn't too much happening. There's a few Flat Earthers uh, around, but 
the thing is, I've been doing this conspiracy stuff for almost 10 years now. I, I had my own radio show back in the day. I have a bunch of websites. I have a huge social media following I've been building up over the several years. And I intentionally uh, wanted to bring this all out at once. I didn't know, I've been studying this for quite a while now, uh, but I didn't post about it. I'm, uh, well, I posted about geocentrism for a long time ago, but I haven't made any formal flat earth posts until this November. Uh, so I, I already wrote the book, I got the documentary already, interviews lined up. So the idea was to explode it onto the scene all at once with everything already, uh, both because I wanted to make sure that I could get everything I want to get out, out there before any sort of repercussions came my way, as well as I wanted to be personally ready uh, with all the proofs and uh, everything at my fingertips so I could just copy and paste replies to people, all the questions that I knew were going to be coming in. And that's basically what I spend my time doing now is just getting the answers out to people that, that I've collected. So where in, in the A to Z of the conspiracy, where did the flat earth fall? Where did you first bump into it? F. F. That's what I thought. I knew you were going to say that. But, but was it really that early? <laughs> G for geocentricism. Yeah. <laughs> I for International Space Station. I get it. <laughs> People are calling it the mother of all conspiracies. It is. I, I, it really is the, the greatest deception in history. Uh, it's 500 years and running. It's a multi-generational thing. Uh, it's the Freemasons who have been the head of this, the people who have been promoting this theory from its inception to nowadays, the, the NASA Freemasons are the ones uh, continuing it. So uh, it's, it's quite an impressive conspiracy. It, it's one of the, if not the greatest conspiracies, uh, I think, of all times. So credit uh, to where it's due. They did an excellent job, but uh, it's falling to pieces. It is pretty ridiculous once you really come out of the brainwashing. Most people only believe in the wall earth because of NASA videos and photos which they've seen. But once you critically analyze them and you find things like uh, the photos of the earth, the sizes of the continents are always changing. You can't get that straight. In the videos, the clouds are never morphing. They can't seem to bother to do that. The water color is, varies all the time. And when you just look at it with a critical eye, Every single photo looks like CGI. It looks like it's been made on a computer, and that's because it has been. Well, the so Hubble the Hubble telescope pictures are so beautiful that they're just like paintings. I wanted to print some out and put them up on the wall. And you know why? Because they are paintings. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yep, they're, they're, they are photo, Photoshop photographs. So what's in it for the Masons? Why did they... Why did they keep this going? Well, they get all their positions at the universities, you know, they can have degrees and all these fake things, NASA's, they, they get billion, was it $8 billion a year? I mean, they they uh, fleece us of our tax money just to give us these Photoshop pictures. Um, so money is one thing that's in it. And control is the other thing, same thing all rich, powerful psychopaths want, and the Masons are part of that big group of frat boys wanting to take over the world and uh, make everybody their servants. So what's in it for them? Uh, money, power, the duper's delight that all psychopaths have. They, they love pulling a fast one on you. 
people of this kind of sadistic mindset. There's nothing more fun to them than pulling off a big hoax. And what was, what's the bigger hoax than the entire Earth and the universe around us? And they've done it. They've pulled it off. They've literally convinced the entire world that Earth is a friggin' spinning ball, spinning around the infinite space, this fake gravity holding the oceans on the underside, this whole nonsense theory of a Big Bang, a godless uh, cosmology, where they can mock the Creator and uh, set themselves up as the sole authority, like we were saying about Neil deGrasse Tyson, and everyone can lick his boots as they think that he knows something about the, the universe and, and you know, the truth about existence, because he has access to the Hubble telescope and other uh, NASA technologies that are taking the place of the Pope, you know, he's the middleman, but NASA's the middleman between you and the universe. Uh, don't go out and look at the sun and the moon yourself and see that they're exactly the same size. Listen to NASA tell you the sun's 400 times bigger and 400 times further away, so it just looks the same size. There's another excuse. Like, like I'm saying, the whole thing is setting themselves up as the authority so that they can indoctrinate us into this false worldview, we'll lick their boots and pay them for it, and they can laugh their way to the bank. And they've been doing it for hundreds of years. And it's not just this issue. A lot of people are, are now waking up to the flat earth and they've never studied conspiracies in any way whatsoever. So they may have never even heard of the Freemasons or any other conspiracy. So the idea of a flat earth conspiracy is just way beyond anything they could possibly imagine. But if you do start looking into things like the moon hoax conspiracy and the hollow hoax conspiracy, all these other proven conspiracies, these deceptions, these fake figures, fake facts that have been thrown out there for us to swallow since grade school. When you when you do clear your mind of those indoctrinations, it's it's not that big a step to see that the the biggest, the mother of all these conspiracies, is the geocentric flat Earth. Absolutely, mother mother of all lies. And so I think there's a couple linchpins. You, you mentioned another one, the hollow hoax, the Holocaust. Huge linchpin issue. And I think that, and that one's starting to unravel too, not as fast as I'd like it to, but there's so many great works being done out there to expose that. But once once we pull these linchpins, the whole thing collapses. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why these, these terms have been so ridiculed, that a flat earther and a Holocaust denier or an anti-Semite. They've propped up these words for mind control so that anytime anyone starts spouting common sense they can shut you down with these labels like a flat earther yeah let's let's not have any of that really i think it's amazing the knee-jerk reaction and how they put conspiracy theorists into the mind that oh no don't listen to that well that, that's another one conspiracy theorist you're not a conspiracy researcher you don't research the reality around you you don't cross you know cross check uh, your sources and uh, you know, have, have your own personal quest to find out the truth. No, you're a conspiracy theorist. That's what you are. And a lot of these conspiracy theory websites and, and shows, they proliferate exactly that. They proliferate the kind of information that's complete speculation and theory and anything but evidence. And they that's the point, is to keep this kind of conspiratorial questioning in la-la land where, where you're baseless and you don't have any proofs or evidence. That's why you know, I came out with this 200 proofs Earth is not a spinning ball. I'm really heavy on evidence. Uh, I think you can actually measure or calculate for yourself things you can see with your own eyes, feel with your own body. 
And, that, and that's what the flat earth is. I mean, nobody would have come up with the idea that you're on a spinning ball unless someone told you. If left to your own devices, looking with your own eyes, feeling with your hand in the in the air, you wouldn't deduce that you were spinning around a thousand miles per hour. You wouldn't deduce that you're on a sphere. These ideas have all been taught to you since a very young age, and they have to be taught to you at a very young age, because if you are uh, an adult and had been seeing and thinking, seeing with your own eyes, thinking with your own mind for 20 years, and then someone said, hey, you haven't heard? You're on a spinning ball. You would uh, receive it much less easily than you would at five years old with a teacher at the blackboard spinning a globe in your face telling you this is how it is. So that's the way to do it. Uh, they get them young. People don't even think about government education. They think the answer to all these problems is education. But when the government mandates education and they make the curriculum, they're just turning you into whatever they want you to be. A yep. government is, is not uh, your buddy. You know, the government is a group of people who are above the rest of society that have given themselves rights that you don't have, and their paycheck comes from the taxes that you're forced to pay them. So all governments all over the world are literally like mafia organizations, and the people who work for them are mafiosos being paid by the tax money that everybody has to pay to keep them in operation. That's so, right. Know. It's a giant protection game. It's a protection <laughs> racket. Pay us or else. We'll, un we'll unleash the IRS on you. The FBI will come to your door. Every four years, they'll let you uh, uh, choose which one of their puppet presidents they want you know you like the propaganda from so what you know which who do you like who, who has the best smile who, who's you know reads off the teleprompter best and you, you buy it for another four to eight east and then they give you a new puppet they promise you all the same things and then when it comes down to it they're they've already been picked because their masters are above them behind the scenes and you'll never see uh lobbying you know paying money behind the scenes uh you're never going to see common Joe public rise up to these these levels. These are all rich guys. They've been in these uh, Freemasonry and these other secret societies for a long time. They've already shown that they're loyal. It's just like Hollywood. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a non-choice. It's heads I win, tails you lose. They put up two non-choices. And it's just ridiculous that there's only two parties. But what amazes me is that people still fight about it. You're right. I mean, they're in their corporations masquerading as governments, it's it's ridiculous. But I think the Patriot movement, and forgive me for Patriots for saying this, but you folks need to wake up because you're arguing the same thing. Oh, that's not constitutional. That's not. Republicans and Democrats are two sides of the same coin fighting over each other, and that's what they've set up the media to be. Every every little news talk show thing, they've always got the guy from one side and the guy from the other side and they argue and debate and never make any any solid points and that's it and that's how we're taught politics is done you get two people of opposing views to argue for a little bit and then the audience decides who they think was the better fighter it's like competitive you know it's like ufc with politics and it's like the horse race you want to be sure you're gonna you're gonna put your money on the winner so you want to vote for the person that you think is going to win that's it. As, the, as they're on the campaign trail, they're always saying that, right? They're, they're telling you the percentages, and, and, and that's what people will tell you, that they, they don't they don't want their, to throw their vote away, so they got to vote for the realistic candidate, and the realistic one is the one that's winning anyway. So they always get it down neck and neck to the, the, their two favorite horses. One, 
wearing the red color, one wearing the blue color. And really, even the ones wearing yellow and green and purple, they're all part of the system too. So even if they got into into office, what are they going to do? Are they going to stop taking your tax money? Are they going to actually institute voluntary governance? They couldn't possibly do that, because to do that would be to abscond themselves of their position. Uh, to, to be an actual voluntarist, to be a moral candidate, you would not be a candidate, <laughs> because your, your money is coming from the taxes that people are forced to pay you. So the whole system is corrupt. It doesn't matter what promises you make, your paycheck itself and all the programs that you claim that you're going to enact, they're all going to be coming from this money that you're forcibly collecting from people. People can't not pay these taxes. So I mean, the, the, the worst part about government is the taxes. If we got rid of the taxes, and then maybe we could actually have the government provide people with things. Have you ever thought of this? Why do we have to pay to live on the earth? If a government exists at all, why doesn't it guarantee us a piece of land, you know, uh, an acre, say, where we can have uh, our own home, water, we can grow food, we can live. Nobody has to be homeless. Well, what, what do you sound, what do you, you sound like Hitler now. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the amazing thing about this now, you're an anarchist, volunteerist. Okay, this is the position that you're promoting here. And, and I appreciate that position, but I have one problem. And since you're here, I'm going to ask you this question. I still don't mind a small government. I, I don't mind a small community government because I want someone that if my house gets broken into, and maybe you can answer this for me, my house gets broken into when I'm not home and somebody steals my stuff or harms my stuff, what recourse do I have at that point? Who's going to come and help me? Yeah, well, first of all, I don't have any problem with a small government either or any sort of governmental type of bureaucracy as long as it's funded only through voluntary means and not through coercion, which is how all governments are funded nowadays. You're forced to pay these taxes to pay for whatever programs they decide and their, their uh, paychecks as well. So. That's fine. If you want to have a voluntary government that makes suggestions and helps the public, that's that's excellent. But what I'm against is forced governance. And as far as the what you're talking about, in a, a volunteeristic society, you could have and would have certainly competing private security forces, just like, you know, well, they have here in Thailand, because they've got private security people use for all their condos and stuff. The police don't to do their job so the private security has to take over so you know you'd have that kind of thing in the public sector and it would probably be a lot better than the police because the police don't have to be good they get paid regardless of how terrible they do their jobs but right and they're and they're just keeping they're just protecting the elites just keeping the game in play and just keeping the money flowing it's just it's an it's extortion that's all it is it's revenue generation so no i i agree and there are good people involved in so-called law enforcement this, this shakedown racket, and I think once they get in, they they have a hard time. Disappointed, I'm sure. I know a lot of them that have gotten out because of it. They Absolutely. saw it for what it was. People in the police, people in politics, all of their paychecks are coming from these taxes that, that we're paying. So a lot of good people get into these jobs, but if they're not good jobs. If you're working for the mafia, no matter what branch of the mafia you're working for, you're getting paid by this money that's being stolen from everybody else. You're not you're not working for the right team at that point. I'd rather see uh, military men, you know, work as a militia, you know, do militia things. You don't get paid, but you protect your country. 
Whereas the military, you do get paid to go fight other countries. Did you ever notice that? Oh, absolutely. Go destroy other countries. Yeah, yeah. They're not protecting America like they claim to be doing. They're invading every friggin' other country in the world. They play on a young man's need to provide and protect. They play on that gene that's built into men to do that. Either they see what it is, you know, they are a good person and they hold on to their moral compass and they see what it is and they get out and they, they talk about the evils of what they saw while they were there. Or... They had sociopathic, psychopathic tendencies themselves. That's why they get into it in the first place. And when they see how much sadism and Satanism uh, goes on in war zones and, and the things that America's involved in overseas, they like it and they enjoy it and they continue on because of that. So you've got both kinds there. You've got good guys that get in and then get out, and you've got bad guys that get in, stay in, love it, and indoctrinate all the new guys into being, you know, killing machines going killing innocent people like themselves all over the world right it's not it's from what i read it's not hard to create a sociopath and so that's that's a lot of what happens well, absolutely i mean they shave your heads all the same everyone dressed the same sleep deprivation wake up to bells everybody yeah. fall in line do what i say kill, 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 kill. <laughs> don't authority. they get hit if you do absolutely they brainwash you into this group think where you don't question any authority I and mean, this is the ultimate right it's like we're talking about the how they indoctrinate you into the spinning ball and stuff. When you go into the army, you're being indoctrinated into like absolute uh, subservience to imposed authority on their chest. You know, oh, this guy's got a lot of metal on his chest. Stand up really straight, do whatever he says. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. He's probably the biggest asshole in the room too, and he just screams at everybody, and everyone else just falls into line. And this is the most noble thing you can do as an eighteen-year-old: is go in there and uh, be a psychopath slave. All right. So we've talked about Democrat, Republican. Let's talk about Zionist Jews, Rothschilds. You know, in the Vatican, I'm starting to see them as two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think there's really all that much of differentiation when you get up to the Rothschild, Vatican, Zionist, elite rabbi, Jew level. I think they're all in a round table of power vying for it. I don't know that, that we'd ever be able to get to the tippity top wherever it is and be able to out it, but I think I think this is about it, yes, right here, the, the Vatican, the Freemasonic Network, World Royalty, and all the other secret societies, uh, as well as Judaism, which is behind Freemasonry 100%. Yeah, I see the Vatican and the Jews having the exact same agenda. Spread of communist enslavement of the world. That's right. I mean, the Pope and all the cardinals, they wear a yarmulke. Yeah. Uh, so you know, why is that? Or, or, or the bishop's mitre, which if you turn on the side of a fish, and that's a symbol of Dagon, the fish god. Absolutely. Unity is just a piggybacked religion onto Judaism in the first place with a Jewish messiah. Well, I disagree a little bit on that. I really am at the place where I really question if there was a real Jesus because there's so many Messiah 13 disciples in literature, starting with probably Mithra, Epic of Gilgamesh, Dionysus. And so this keeps getting replayed all the time. But I do see, so what I see is probably the, the truth. If there's any truth in the Bible, I see it historically about the, the Jew in, in what I call two seed line. Because it's the only thing that makes sense of this, that we have enemies that were, were brought here, and they're eternal enemies, and they've been our enemies all along. And I'd like to know, well, well who started all this? Who created the earth? So this is, we're, we're here on terra firma, at least it seems this way, or is we just playing in some giant video game? What's going on? 
would say we're in the mind of God. Uh, all of creation is psychological in the first place and physical in the second place. The whole deception, this all-earth, heliocentric, Big Bang cosmology we've been taught is a materialist theology, uh, philosophy. It's saying that matter is primary and a priori and before consciousness. All religions and spiritual views, however, have the opposite idea, which is that consciousness or immaterial psychological phenomena happens before the material world comes into existence. To me, that's self-evident because the material world is so ordered, it's, it's so beautiful, it's so complex, it's so interwoven, and, and you know, the sun and the moon, the same size and, and opposing each other, beauty of a flower, and everything just, the fact that it could be a cosmic coincidence, as they say, and come from nothing, and then intelligence and consciousness just comes out of this, this uh, explosion, doesn't make any sense intelligently designed. To be intelligently designed, you have to have an intelligent designer, you have to have some type of consciousness, some type of intelligence that pre-exists the material world to create it. So I, I don't believe in any religion or I, don't, I try not to believe in anything. I just try to use my senses and figure out what's going on here and change as, as I go. Where I'm at right now, which makes sense, I think everybody can come along with me, is that the, the evidence from the world around you is that it's ordered and beautiful, amazing, I mean, incredible that it exists at all. How, how, does, how does this happen? You've got a sunset, the trees, the, the, the beach, I mean, you think that's just an explosion? That's what they're telling you. So nothing exploded and created everything, all of this. It doesn't make any sense at all. No, that's like oh, saying, that's like saying a, a tornado roars through a junkyard and leaves a perfectly running 747 in its wake with pilots and cabin crew and passengers Absolutely. ridiculous right. every other explosion in history destroys things they claim this biggest of all explosions coming from nothing created everything perfect as it is and this is and this is the kind of explanation we were talking about with the ball earth that they they're so daring they're so courageous to come up with these ridiculous explanations and since they say it with a straight face and they say it with a nasa logo on their shirt everyone buys it Incredible. Everyone buys it, but people less and less are buying it. Your forum, the ifersboards.net, right? I-F-E-R-S dot boards dot net is a forum that you've put in place. You've been exposing some of the shills. It's been a little contentious over there at your forum, Eric. And I think you're batting a thousand. I, I really do on people that you pointed out as being the frauds in this, people that are controlled opposition, is it always going to be that contentious? I, I think it has to be if your boards are the, are the place to go. Tell me about that. You, you explain it. Well, like I said, there's, there's only a few flat earthers out there this time last year. Uh, but yeah. now there's just an explosion happening. And some of them are legitimate and some of them aren't. As you can imagine, if there's a 500-year conspiracy going and it's been upheld for this long, they, they don't want it getting out, so they're going to have to send in their agents to obfuscate and muddy the waters, and that's what they've done right from the get-go once I, I get in there, and before even. Uh, they've got gatekeepers set up, so if anyone like myself tries to run the gauntlet, I get stopped or stopped up along the way by these guys, or stepped up, uh, as the case may be. So I, yeah, I wrote that flat-earth 
wall shill wall of shame post just trying to point out some of the the more obvious ones that have come along and yeah I, I think I think I was right about about those as well we'll see as time goes on I'm quite willing to be wrong I'd love it if uh, some of the, these people I mentioned would, would start pointing to more factual evidence and stop speculating all the time about ridiculous things this is the main tactic that all these shills use is that they won't talk about actual proof hard evidence of the flat geocentric earth but instead they'll just go off into endless speculation and personal theories about how they think it might be and usually based on absolutely nothing or very spurious supposed evidence nothing like the flat earth you know which has like i said at least 200 proofs i was able to come up with in a couple of weeks we, on our forum we get, we've got a whole Im image proofs thread with the forum taken as a whole i'm sure we've got over a thousand proofs meanwhile you ask your average spinning ball head how many proofs they have that they're on a spinning ball i doubt most people have even five pieces of evidence for why they think they're on a spinning ball so I, I definitely recommend people look at Eifer's so the 200 proofs book so you can see that this model that you've been taught since a little child actually has no proof whatsoever. The supposed proofs you've been taught are wrong. Well, the interesting thing I find about the boards is how well-read people are in the other so-called conspiracies. They know about 9-11. They know Sandy Hook. They know... I think that's great. So this wasn't a big jump for most of them to come to the flat earth. It wasn't for me. Once I got over my initial gut, oh my God, it I was, oh it made total sense. And I go, oh my gosh, absolutely, no no doubt about it. A more intelligent person is going to be able to look at this. Is going to have the intellectual courage who's already looked at these other ridiculous hoaxes that they've put off on us. So I, I really enjoy the I enjoy the people over there. They do tend to have a little bit of a hair trigger and not put up with people for too long if they're questioning too much. It's like the autism spectrum. <laughs> you know, we're we're all there on a spectrum of our understanding and, and how much we really understand about things. So. I don't turn on the TV very often, and I don't have cable. But whenever I do lately... Man, I'm seeing all kinds of NASA stuff all the time. There's new rocket launches. There's new cosmology shows going on, especially on PBS, which I think is brainwashing for the more intelligent people. Do you think this has got to be a reaction to you and the explosion? They do seem to have more press releases than any other official government agency, don't they? NASA's just coming out with new stuff more and more all the time, and more ridiculous stuff, too, that... They're supposedly going to send people to live on Mars. <laughs> That's an interesting one. And that new one, did you see the, the, the supposed video of the dark side of the moon taken from one million miles away on some satellite, which looks like one of the worst cartoons you've ever seen? Did you see this? No, no, I've, no, I've missed this. It was like last week uh, they came out with this little animation showing the the moon, the dark side of the moon, which just looks like a little animated gray ball, very little texturing to it at all. It's very elementary. It looks terrible. And, and it's going across a equally terrible looking spinning ball earth. Yeah, <laughs> the, the clouds don't move as usual. They don't morph at all. Um, People must be asking too many questions. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen some articles. There was this article I just saw where they were, this 
people leaving comments on the NASA, uh, this particular NASA video saying how fake it looked and, and pointing out the clouds not moving and all this. And then the official website was trying to debunk the comments. I mean, it really looks like they're in damage control mode. They're feeling it. People, people are commenting on their official pages. The, the type of thought is turning. People are starting to see that these, these pictures are fake. I mean, that's the main thing. You, you really got to take a look at it when you, that, that's, once you can break yourself of the ball earth that you've seen from NASA your whole life, once you can see that, oh crap, all these, these pictures of Jupiter and everything, they're totally fake. And once you can get your head around that, then it's easier to start to look at the horizon yourself with your own eyes and be like, yeah, that is flat. You open a plane, it's right up to your eye level, still flat. You look at amateur rockets go way higher than a plane, still flat, still rising to the eye level. A panoramic, 360 degrees around, totally flat. It's nothing like NASA's showing you. And it looks real, too. Look at these amateur footage. It looks it looks real. And then look at some ISS footage of the, of the supposed Earth, and it looks like a computer image. It doesn't look like the amateur footage. The amateur footage looks like, you know, your view on an airplane window. But NASA's footage looks like, especially at nighttime. Check out the nighttime footage. Oh, they're beautiful. <laughs> oh, aren't they? Yeah. But uh, they don't make any sense. The texturing is, isn't layered the way it should be. You're able to see way too much. There should be mostly just clouds, really, but if, if it was legitimate. I mean, that's what the amateur footage looks like. Usually it's just clouds, uh, a little bit of water every once in a while through the clouds, and that's it. If, if you were to see a ball in, in that model, I think the whole ball would be white. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, well, they, they're stunning and they're beautiful, so you go, wow, that's really beautiful. But, and then you, so you don't stop to go, oh, wait a minute, but it's too beautiful. I mean, because... <laughs> The the atmosphere, if if it was that clear, if they could get those kind of images from that high up, then we should be able to wave to people on, on the East Coast. We should be able to wave to people in London. And the, the continents are never the same size on their various images. So you can put images side by side and see North America, for instance, change shape drastically. The, 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 uh, size drastically rather the shape stays the same the the shape we're shown on the mercator projections looks like they just overlay it onto a ball and put some clouds over it but the size is always changing and the color of the water is always changing it's never the same and of course the clouds they, they don't morph or move the way that real clouds morph or move so that, and people have taken them into photoshop and done like brightness and contrast adjusted the levels and you can see where they've done convenient copy and pastes of the moon and the ball earth into supposed moon photos and other things like that you can see rectangular outlines around the the, the planets where they've just pasted them into a black <laughs> they're so they're they're really sloppy they're so sloppy on this we've actually seen the, some of some of these image frauds have been pointed out on ifers and then they've touched up their original image and changed it so that when you we go back to the original they've cropped out the area that we showed was uh, rectangular so they're, they're certainly paying attention and they're in damage control mode even on their supposed original photos uh, changing them but of course we've cataloged them all and we even have the uh, original what do you call it they can't completely delete delete what they had so we still have the link and everything so you can see how they've tried to trace back their steps and cover their ass. Are there people that are more apt to get the flat earth thing than others in your experience? People who have already understood 
the conspiratorial control that humanity's been under for hundreds of years are definitely going to be much easier in understanding this level of control than someone who hasn't already been into conspiracy research. So that's number one. Number two is people who are have already bought into the kind of atheistic, materialistic, NASA, Big Bang worldview. If, if you're believing in that quite a bit, that's going to be difficult to break. So I guess it depends how deep the brainwashing has sunk in. Um, some people, they, they've, you know, they've been taught certain things, but they still have doubts, they still have inquisitive, critically thinking minds, and those people are much, much easier to awaken than people who just kind of go along with the mainstream, your, your typical TV-watching uh, sheeple person, Sherson. One friend of mine who's a critical thinker, just telling him, he got it from me just saying, you know what, the Earth's flat, and he got it immediately. Yep, yeah, I've had people like that too. They're like, you know, it's just, you just say it, and they're like, well, it does seem that way, and, and they're totally open to it. You give them a few proofs, and they're like, yeah, that, that makes more sense. And so some people are really open to it. A lot of even uneducated, supposedly, people, people who don't even know that we've supposedly landed on the moon, for instance. Some people in Thailand, you tell them, you, you know about the moon landing? They're like, no, what? wondering if it was inter international lines that people in different areas received it better so I can see that people that haven't been ha been through the, the indoctrination they're still in touch with their senses instead of nonsenses nonsense right but you got to be taking some heat on this Eric you, you can't be this prominent in this controversy which is the mother of all lies and not be taking some heat yeah, sure. There's, there's the trolls. They're everywhere. They're on my blog and the comments and on the forum. And most of our time on the forum is spent banning people. That Some of them uh, just don't read the forum rules, which are very strict. Uh, others are shills. They've even come up with their own shill forums. We've got threads exposing these. Uh, they've come up with their own flat earth forums to try and denounce what we do at IFRS and claim that we're this and that. It, but they take out ads on your forum. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even take out paid ads on my forum, which I can't control, uh, to direct people to their forum, where all they do is mirror posts from the forum and then put their own shill commentary next to it, saying what the, you know <laughs> their ideas. And we, we, I think most of their hits come from us. The, the, we have a thread that promotes them because uh, you know anyone can read my forum and these other shill forums that they've created and I don't think any legitimate person is going to decide that one of these shill forums is the one to go to um, but yeah go for it you know anybody that wants to uh, wants to check out all these different shill pages and whatnot uh, see if you think like Patricia and myself that they are legitimate flat earth researchers uh, wanting to get the truth out or are these agents 
uh, trying to obfuscate the truth and muddy the waters so that nobody really knows uh, where to go for this information and act, they act like they don't really know themselves. A lot of these flat earth shills that have come out of the woodwork, like I said, they keep it in speculation mode all the time, theorizing about how they would like it if, uh, if they designed the earth and how they think it might be, but never wanting to go into some of these actual proofs that are scientific things that you can do for yourself, experiments, they stay away from that. So that, that's, how, that's what I would recommend to people as you're getting into not only this, but any, any conspiracy, look at both sides, figure out, use your own intuition and discernment, but notice who's using evidence-based research and who's mostly going off into speculation or, or theory land and not backing up what they're saying with, with anything but hearsay. Uh, this guy said this, this guy reported that. You know, evidence is what we want. The flat Earth is a conspiracy that's actually quite easy to figure out because you can have you can figure out the evidence in your backyard with your own eyes. It's not quite like a Sandy Hook or something, for instance, where you've got to find all these news clips and then you're, you're trusting whether this is a genuine person or a crisis actor, all these things. It's quite difficult to get to the bottom of things like that. But it's relatively easy to get to the bottom of the flat, motionless Earth. It appears flat and motionless and has appeared that way to everyone who's ever lived. And every experiment you can conduct will prove it over and over again that it is. You know, I have to say about all these shills, at least, and I don't know if people get bogged down because when I first went to YouTube, I'm one of those people, I'm in for a penny, I'm in for a pound, and I've got to dig to, down to bedrock. And that's how I found you because I started with one of the shills. And I said, well, okay, that but gave me a mental indigestion. And so I kept looking and that's when I cut onto your something to go, okay, now I'm getting somewhere. So maybe that maybe they're not such a bad thing. Maybe it's backfiring on them a little bit because it leads them to you eventually. Well, like you said, I think most people are smart enough to figure out who's uh, using evidence to back their claims and who's not. And you're going to drift that way as you go through the gauntlet of flat earth researchers. But that's, like I said, that's what they do is they muddy the waters. They yeah. The first video you click on is some guy just speculating and giving anything but evidence, then you're not going to hold on to the idea like you would if the first thing you clicked on was 200 proofs Earth is not a spinning ball. When you have 200 proofs at your fingertips showing you that the Earth is not the way that you've been told, it's, it's, it's right there. I mean, meanwhile, then you've got, for instance, uh, Mark Sargent's Flat Earth Clues, He's got 11 clues that'll make you think maybe the Earth's not a ball, and I've got 200 proofs that it's definitely not a ball. Big difference. And you listen to him in any interview, and he's just speculating. Every answer he gives is like, well, what I would do, or how I'd design it from a game design standpoint. Um, and I've even confronted him on this thing that he does where he says what he would do from a game design standpoint. Well, I just like it, he says. <laughs> I just like that model. So by saying this, if, if this was the first time I'd come across the Flat Earth subject and I hear the, one of the leading Flat Earthers saying things like this and, and other statements he said like, I don't know of any proofs that the Earth isn't spinning and, and other things like that. He comes out with these phrases that just draw, they just end the game right there. It's like if you're supposedly a leader of this Flat Earth movement and you don't have a single proof of, of why the Earth isn't moving, you can't think of one. 
then you shouldn't be calling yourself a flat earth. But he's even recently come out and said he's not sure if the earth is flat. It might be concave. Stephen Christ has his model. Uh, Eric Dubay has his model. Uh, I'm, I'm only sure right now that the earth is not a ball. Well, that's good. I, I agree with him there. The problem is his delivery and the non-evidence-based claims he's always making. So you can find how many hundred hours of Mark Sargent online now. I can't listen to him anymore. There's rarely any evidence whatsoever. It's just all his own little theories and whatnot. So you, you, you probably felt the, the nugget, the kernel of truth in the flat earth, and so you were able to make it through Mark and find your way to Eric and other, other legitimate researchers. But some people might get to Mark and just be like, what is this? This is ridiculous. There's no evidence for this whatsoever. They'll just shut off completely, and the next person who brings up my work or someone else's work, they'll associate it with what they saw, that was crap, and they'll just assume that it's all crap and that you're talking crap and they've already, they've already figured it out, you're wrong. So the muddying of the waters by these controlled opposition agents, while many people have told me, isn't it good, Eric, because eventually they lead to you, I don't think so, because if they weren't there, they, people would just get to me right from the beginning or get to the other legitimate research. But that, so that's why they do this. They do it so that, and that's why the flat earth keyword has gotten so exploded ever since I put my information out. It's not just me. It's all these other controlled opposition agents who have come in to poison the well from me. So people don't make it to my stuff and some of the other people who have been doing legitimate uh, flat earth research. Oh, there's a gajillion video. Some people just using, you know, a screencasting software to talk about what they think and this and that or what they, you know. I see what you're saying, and, and I really appreciate the fact that you've called out the shills. And I think you've got them all right, and like you, I'd be happy to be wrong. And I'm always happy to be wrong. I've never learned anything if I wasn't happy to be wrong. And I, so I think the criticism that you've taken from some people about calling out the shills, I think, is unfounded. And tell me, how does somebody like a Mark Sargent get on coast to coast, like his first month out of the gate? Right. You know, that, that's that's what I want to know. Just recently, he, um, like, I had a, I was, did you hear about this controversy about the Art Bell show? No, no. Okay, so Mark has, has lied, and I don't know where he got the inside information to, to make this lie, but he, he went on air saying that Eric pulled out of the interview with Art Bell at the last minute because he found out that there was going to be a astrophysicist on to debate him. This is the, this is supposedly what happened. I published all the emails that I had with uh, 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 arts producers um, so everyone could see exactly what happened. And what it was was that I was contacted by two co-producers first. I did test calls with both of them. I filled in their guest form. I sent them all these links that they were asking for. And then a third producer comes in. He's Skyping me, which I don't get on Skype all the time. And he's, he's uh, getting more and more aggressive each each thing, uh, each uh, comment saying that you need to do a test call with me. You need to sign this uh, fill-in form. If you don't, within 36 hours, we're going to drop you as a guest and all this. And then I finally got an email from him where he's saying, where are you? I've been looking for you for whatever. Art, Art needs you to do the, the test call, blah, blah, blah. And so I nicely wrote back to him and I said, uh, you know, well, I've already done two test calls with other producers. I already sent in all this information you're talking about. And I don't really appreciate you threatening to drop me just for stuff I've already done. 
and then he, he just writes this one sentence back like you, you have to do it with me i'm the i'm the real producer or something I was like, well, so i wrote him back saying like well i think this is something you guys have to deal with internally because i already jumped through all your hoops filled out all your forms done all your test calls and uh, if you really have to drop me because i won't do a third test call with you then so be it and so they did and so what happened was the, oh that was that was a setup that was a setup Eric and it was a setup anyway did you did you oh, you didn't hear the actual interview no they had uh, John the Morgyle, uh flat earther guy go on instead and Art and this this other guy they just double teamed him the whole time uh, muted his microphone laughed at every answer and, and yeah. ridiculed him Art was just praising this other guy up and down it was, it was gross listening to it so it was a clear uh hit show whatever hit piece yeah. from the beginning so it was just as well that i didn't do it anyway but um it didn't happen the way that mark's claiming that i don't know where he's getting his supposed inside information so that's why i posted the entire drama so everybody can see exactly what happened and it's not like they're saying it didn't pull out uh the interview i've, I've challenged mark and, and neil degrasse tyson and others to debates they don't seem to want to do it. Um, so people claiming that I don't want to debate this is funny. Uh, well, you know, they're welcome anytime on Sacred Cow Barbecue. We've got an hour and 45 minutes that they can debate anytime they want. I'll leave, leave that open and you can say uh, anytime, any day, anytime, we'll do it. We'll record it. So, and then they can put it out to all their channels and everything else. That's fine. So... Yeah, that that's just a setup, and I I'm beginning to think that a good seventy to eighty percent of so-called alternative media is controlled media. Me too. Yeah, the I mean the mainstream, of course, it's all controlled, and most of the alternative seems to be controlled as well. Uh, anyone that's got a, a big a bigger following than mine seems to be my my cutoff. Uh, I don't know anybody that's been in it as long as I have uh, with the the numbers that I have. These people, they'll come out of nowhere and they get numbers that I've taken years and years and years to, to yeah. grow. They're able to get them, like, they snap their fingers and someone someone gives it to them. Um, so that's that's one quick, quick and easy way. When somebody comes on the scene and they suddenly already have huge viewership out of nowhere, it's obviously suspicious. If anybody's tried having their own blog or yourself, you have a, a blog talk radio show, these kind of things. When you try to build these things for yourself... It does work, but it takes time and effort, and you have to plug your stuff, you have to advertise. It, it takes years to build a following of people who will share your work and get it out there so that you have like a, a, a network, a, a web of, of constantly outflowing information from your show. These guys, boom, it's done. It's everywhere. thousand likes, whatever. It's just out of the woodwork. I don't know. They've, they've obviously got an inside hand when you can do that. Right. They don't have a lot of shills. They they don't have opposition fighting them. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No no trolls. I mean, it's a, it's amazing. This is trolled up pretty heavily. Friends of mine have mentioned it on Facebook. Oh my gosh, people come out of the woodwork. We, we, I've had people uh, tell me that they have like Facebook accounts that they don't really use, but then once they start sharing or posting flat Earth material, uh, or yeah, this one guy, all he did was start liking it. And he was noticing this activity and all of these supposed flat earthers started offending him. And this is another thing some of the shills have been doing. Like Mark Sargent, for instance, even admitted that he did data mining for three years. Matt Boylan is asking for uh, pictures, like three photos of everyone who friends him, supposedly to check that you are a real person, uh, this kind of thing. So that they seem to be collecting 
information on people. Mark doesn't allow comments on his videos, but he gives you his, his home phone number, his cell phone number. And so his email. And his email, right. And he claims that if you send him cookies, uh, he'll <laughs> he claims that the, the his guest host on his show is now like his best friend was just some listener that sent him cookies and now they're they're good buddies. Have you heard that one? No. I've been I've been involved in uh in white genocide here recently, so I haven't had anything this much fun to get into lately. I got to get back into this just for the entertainment value. That's absolutely ridiculous. Sends him cookies. Yeah, he he wasn't gonna do shows. He was going to. Be, what he said on my show is that he was going back to work soon. You know, working for a paycheck. Yeah, probably a NASA paycheck. These are probably your computer cookies. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I've got a couple things I want to talk to you about. Can you tie all? Can you tie all the conspiracies together? But I think we you did that already. It's just a matter of control. But they're killing us off pretty pretty well. Vaccines, you know, GMOs, pesticides in our food, chemtrails, our geoengineering. They're they're killing off the earth pretty rapidly, or or is that a conspiracy? Or is that do you do you agree or disagree? That does seem to be the case. Yeah, you don't you don't need too many slaves. You need just enough slaves. Too many slaves is a problem. Could be a problem. Could get out of control. Right. Once of, once they wake up. Once they wake up. Well, proportional slaves to the masters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've always thought. When I saw Hurricane Katrina, the footage from that, when people were, were fleeing from Houston, and they go, oh, my gosh, if everyone just woke up, there's no way they could control all of us. We way outnumber them. So I see why that's why they need to get rid of so many of us. But, you know, they could be killing off the planet. But there's been cataclysms, like Tunguska. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I've only read about it. Somebody on the forum posted a great article about the dark rift in the Milky Way. So what's up? What's up with the cataclysms? We don't seem to be the first people, the first beings that have been on this plane. Um, yeah, well, Mark Knight has done a lot of good work on this cataclysmic dark rift stuff you're talking about. So you can check out his work on wakeywakey.com. Okay. I haven't gotten into much of it because uh, to me, I feel like this kind of stuff borders on the speculation zone I was talking about. So much of it very well may be true, and uh, it interests me, and I do look into these things. I don't have much to say about them, because I find them uh, too speculative for me to theorize about too much. Uh, I want my position in this movement to be the, the proof and evidence guy. So you know, Mark has done excellent, if you're, and, and he'll tell you that there is evidence for this, and the, the evidence is just ancient cultures and their words and, and the things that they've, they've put into their mythologies and whatnot. Um, to me, it's not as concrete as the kind of evidence I'm looking for, however. So um, so you steer clear of it? I, I kind of steer, steer clear of it, though I do, we do uh, talk about it a bit on the boards and stuff. Um, Fair enough. I, Fair enough. Yeah. More, let's get a couple more proofs here. Have you ever done any laser tests? I know you've been planning to. Uh, I haven't personally done any laser tests, but there has been laser tests on YouTube, and somebody sent me one, and it was gone. So they've, they've even deleted a laser test off YouTube. There are a couple you can still see on there. But there's there's many other proofs other than lasers. There, there was a, 
uh, some tests done with different kinds of lights cast from mountaintop to mountaintop over 100 miles. Uh, using something called heliostats and oxydrummond lights. Um, so that they've done various things to measure the non-curvature of the Earth other than just lasers. But your lighthouse blog... Oh, lighthouses, that's another one, sure. The, the light, the, the distance at sea at which uh, various lighthouses' lights can be seen is far more than you'd be able to see on a ball Earth 25,000 miles in circumference. So you can literally just take a copy of lighthouses of the world and a calculator and come up with, I don't know how many proofs the Earth is in a ball right there. Pretty much every lighthouse is able to be seen from much further than you'd be able to see on a ball Earth. The UN flag logo. There's reality. <laughs> is that really right on for size, you think? Uh, probably not the, the exact size and everything. It's, it's also quite a crude map, so you wouldn't really be able to use that as a practical flat Earth map. But you'll notice that the UN logo and flag is a flat Earth map. Uh, and it's not only is it a flat Earth map, it's divided into 33 Masonic sections. So as we were saying, the Masons are the ones that have been behind this ball earth deception from the get-go. They're also the ones that were behind the construction of the League of Nations and the United Nations. And their logo shows it by dividing our flat earth into 33 sections. I'm telling you, they've been at this for a long time, and they hide the evidence in plain sight. Yes, this is the uh, Gleason's map. Uh, Hammonds, I think so. There's, there's some much better flat earth maps than just the UN logo, which is a very crude outline. But it, it's the basic idea. Type in flat earth maps and you'll see the... Again, I'm not sure that any of these maps are completely accurate, though with flight distances and certain things, they do prove much more accurate than the ball model. Um, in the flat earth model, Antarctica surrounds the flat earth uh, the oceans are interconnected and held in by the circle of Antarctica. And then how far the Antarctic ice expands southwards from there, south being every point tangent to north, uh, the, in, on the, on the flat earth model, north is the middle, and then uh, south is every point along the outer circumference, like in a ring, ma a ring magnet, uh, unlike the, the ball model that they say that there's uh, some sort of a molten magnetic core that causes the poles to constantly move. This is the excuse yeah. they give for why uh, you can't take a compass out at the north or south pole and prove that it's the north or south pole. Uh, you'll, you won't see that anywhere. Nobody in any of these north or south pole documentaries ever breaks out a compass. They just use a GPS locator device, which is uh, created by the U.S. military, and it just tells you 90 degrees north or south latitude, and that's it but it's not the, the magnetic pole. And so if you're at the North Pole, of course, it would point towards the, wherever it was, and you'd be able to walk in a circle, and it would point north. If you're on the South Pole, you'd be able to walk in a circle, and it would also point north in every direction. You can't do these experiments. Nobody has, clearly, because you're not at the poles. Um, so I don't believe that the supposed footage we're shown of people being at the North Pole is actually the North Pole, and neither is the South Pole. Since they can't prove it, they're just saying so. They've just what they've done is they've stuck a barbershop pole, a little red and white thing with a spinny that they have in barbershops, and put a, a ball earth on top of it, and put a bunch of flags in a circle around it. All the nations that have bought into the Arctic and Antarctic treaties, 
and they say, that's, that's the ceremonial pole. It's not the real pole, but we just put it here for kicks. Just, just for photographs, like, welcome to Las yeah. Vegas kind of thing. Viva Las Vegas, right. <laughs> so you can stop and get your picture taken with it. But here's the thing, if, if there was a South Pole, like, there is definitely midnight sun in Alaska, Scandinavian countries, and that happens. If there was midnight, if there was, it was a ball earth, then we'd have midnight sun in our winter months in, in the South Pole. But I don't hear anybody going to Patagonia for the midnight sun. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, and they don't let you go to Antarctica to see it either. Though they claim it happens if you go to, to what, timeanddate.com or something. Uh, during those times in which, uh, in the ball model, Antarctica should be seeing 24-hour sunlight, they claim they are. But you can see dozens of videos on YouTube of the Arctic midnight sun, like you were saying, in Alaska and other places north of the Arctic Circle. You can see the sun for sometimes 72 plus, it depends where you are, you can see it for days and days uh, without ever dropping below the horizon. The sun just kind of goes up and then comes down in a, a sine wave kind of arc around you, and it'll do that for days and never fall out of sight. But if you're on a spinning ball below 89 degrees north latitude, you'd have to be seeing through the ball to see to the sun for part of the spin. But you can actually see it down as far as like 65 degrees north latitude. So it's impossible that you could see this midnight sun effect in the Arctic on a ball. And though they claim it happens in Antarctica, you can't find any examples of it whatsoever. They have one video on YouTube of it, and it's a horrible one-minute video of a bunch of cuts every couple <laughs> seconds, cutting, 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 and showing the sun, trying to make it look like the kind of the same effect as the Arctic one. But you can find legitimate Arctic ones with no cuts for days on end. People have taken the time lapse. So those ones are clearly real. And the ones that they claim happen in Antarctica that you'll never be able to verify are clearly fake. Right. Because it's flat. All right. Let's talk about this GPS nonsense developed by the Department of Defense. Is it yes. real? Is there really satellites? Well, there's really GPS, and you can really triangulate people's position by using land-based towers. Uh, but are you... Yeah, are there satellites that are delivering these GPS signals? But I don't see any evidence of that. Um, they claim that there are 20,000 plus satellites spinning around at 17,000 plus miles per hour out in the thermosphere, um, and that they're tracking you and able to find your car and tell you where to go to dinner and everything. Uh, in reality, the thermosphere is, first of all, far too hot for these uh, satellites to exist there, the metals they're made of, the melting points are far below the temperature claimed to be in the thermosphere, so there's a point of contention. My biggest point of contention with satellites is that, the same with the space station, the Hubble telescope, and astronauts in general just floating in space, you've never, I've never, no one's ever gone high enough that you can just float. This is the illusion we were talking about earlier with the vomit comet and the harnesses and green screens. They're able to make it look like when you go up high enough, instead of falling back to Earth like a skydiver, you just get to this magical altitude and then pop, you're into infinite vacuum, non-atmospheric space where you can just float around. And so they say that satellites are in that part. 
they're in that floaty part where you can just float around unassisted and not drop back to the Earth like everything else we've ever sent up. Uh, and so that's what NASA and the other space agencies do. They, they send a rocket up high enough so that you think that it gets into outer space. But really, if you look at the trajectory of every single rocket, it forms a parabolic curve and starts coming back down. The ones they claim are successful are the ones who, uh, which are out of sight before the parabolic curve continues all the way back to the other side of the flat earth that you can't see beyond the horizon. Uh, Your flat earth comedy theater video continues to crack me up. That's got to be one of my all-time favorites. This is all called the flat earth comedy special. I think I <laughs> yeah, it. it was great. <laughs> it was really good. So yeah, the the rocket nonsense. And and if so, if okay, they're out in this weightless you know place, then then how does their rocket boosters you know how how do they fire off the rockets and have propulsion in, in things when they want to come right. back? That, that yeah, doesn't work. In vacuum space with no atmosphere, no air whatsoever. Yet they're using propulsion systems which have to push against something for there to be any motion. So if you're using propulsion in infinite vacuum space, you should, like a gyroscope, just spin wildly in all directions. The more propulsion you give isn't going to make you go in any particular direction. It's just going to make you spin around 360 degrees. Right. And and when you look at, I, I never looked at the so-called space shuttle. It's supposed to be a glider. It's supposed to, you know, break off and, and glide, right? Like, like a glider. If I got this wrong? It doesn't look anything like that. It looks like just like a jet. Yeah, yeah. everything about it is just like a, a jet, which has had some sort of uh, prop put on the, the the side, so it looks more futuristic, space-like. And, and it, uh, again, if the Earth really were a ball, why do you have to take a rocket vertically into outer space? Like we were saying, you should be able to just use a plane and go straight. And if, you, if the Earth was really a ball, and you fly at a consistent altitude for long enough, you'll be in outer space. It won't even take that long. A couple hours, you'd be in outer space on a plane, just by not course-correcting downwards. But of course, they never do that. They have to fake it. They have to give you a spectacle, like a big rocket with huge rocket engines, and, and then have it, all those NASA guys and their little pre-planned, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the little... The little uh, congratulating themselves, you ever see that? Yeah. Every right. single rocket launch, these nerds get together in their, their NASA suits and they just jump up and down, screaming, hugging each other, high fives. Uh, they make it like it's this amazing thing. But that's that's part of the, the theatrics of it. And, so, and so how many people do you think at NASA really know? Everybody? Or is it just com so compartmentalized that only some know? Are some of them drinking the Kool-Aid? <laughs> it's... All these secret societies and hierarchical organizations work through compartmentalization and through uh, degrees of initiation. So yeah, the people in the bottom are compartmentalized, and then the people who are, are brought to the top are slowly initiated into the knowledge uh, once they've shown that they can toe the party line, that they're not going to expose it. So it's a little of both. Uh, when, when you're first into it, it's you're compartmentalized out of having any idea that you know, of what you're involved in. And as you get into the upper echelons, yeah, you're, you're part of it. You're taken into the lower levels of Freemasonry and actually the higher levels of Freemasonry. I mean, the, the guy that pulled off the, moon, the, uh, the head of NASA during the moon landings, his name was uh, Fred... 
Kleinsch, I can't pronounce it, uh, C. Fred Kleinick, something like this, and he became the Supreme Grand Master of the 33rd degree of Freemasonry right after that. So he quit NASA. And, How convenient! Uh, wow! Yeah, revolved door. <laughs> so the revolving door of secret society uh, uh, and, and such things. You, you, you prove yourself, you get initiated into higher and higher levels, and so the people at the, at the top, of course, they know what's going on, but the people at the bottom have no idea, and they don't need to have any idea, and it actually is better that they don't, because then they provide the cover of legitimately believing in what they're doing and not knowing that they're part of a big scheme. Oh, and people, I've found the rank-and-file employees from NASA just to be like, NASA's their mommy. I mean, they are so into it. It's unbelievable. So, Eric, we're, we're coming down to short strokes here, and I so appreciated your time today. If you were going to arrest somebody, are you going to start arresting people? Who would you start with for treason against humanity? Who would you start with? Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's them fighting words. I don't yeah. know if I'm ready to okay. talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you... Masons, Jews. No, no, I'm not going to go that far. Yeah. But, no, I, I think uh, Freemason, Freemasonry should be stopped, certainly. All secret societies should be stopped. I don't know about arresting people. I don't know how to best go about this. But I think, first of all, everyone needs to be exposed. So that's, that's the first thing. We need to talk about this. We need to make this a big deal. We need to get people debating these issues. Just talk about this stuff. Then we can start, uh, once we've got enough people power behind it, like we were saying, we're, we're the 99-plus percent. Once we've got the 99 plus awakened, uh, I think then practical solutions will, will come much easier than right now when the power shift hasn't quite happened. The mainstream uh, conspiratorial control mechanism still seems to have a, a greater grip at, at the time being. But if we focus on exposing right now, I don't know how many years of exposing we need to, to do. And certainly, I, I'm... I'm that's what I do. I expose things. I'm a writer. I make videos and stuff. I might not be the one to come up with the task, the idea of what to do. Maybe someone else will come up with a better idea of solutions and stuff. For me, my thing is writing and reading. I've always been into that, researching. So my angle is exposing, and I'd really like this to be exposed on a mass scale. I have a feeling like once it's been exposed on a mass scale, practical solutions are going to come naturally. I do have a podcast called Solutions to the System. If you type that in, uh, my name, Eric DeBay, that'll come up. So I do have some, some ideas that I've already uh, talked about. Yeah, I don't know who I'd arrest for. Who would you arrest for? I'm not sure. I think it'd have to be the media. <laughs> I, I think probably them, then, uh, then the judges, and then everybody at NASA. It's not going to be anyone left. Well, yeah, that's uh, that who that seems to be the control network, the fabric that keeps all this together. Freemasonry has five million members worldwide. Get Anybody, out! Uh, Get out! They're in almost every country in the world now. They've been around for hundreds of years, and currently about five million. So when people say like there's too many people, someone would spill the beans. Well, you can read Freemasons who have written books exposing Freemasonry. And then they've been killed by the Freemasons because they give blood oaths every degree you rise, saying that you won't expose Freemasonry. So there's a, there's a good control mechanism in place to prevent people from exposing it from the inside, and most people from the outside 
don't figure it out either. So they're, they're quite well hidden. But from, 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 uh, there's a lot of five million. That's just one secret society. Combine all the others. Well, I think JFK, you know, said it best. You know, the secret societies are a huge part of this thing. And he called for total disarmament, I think, between what he said about secret societies, the executive order 11110, putting us back on a silver standard here in the U.S., and calling for every country in the world to disarm and dismantle their armies. Yeah, I'd say that he he wrote his own death order. Death, that's, yes. that's basically what Hitler did, too, and that's why they're yeah. so against him. Um, he, he created a, a work-based economy that took them off of the, the Jewish money system, and that, that's absolutely one of the biggest parts of it. He brought Germany out of the Great Depression while all the other countries still mired in it and became a world power in a few years. And it's the same thing that happened in Libya with Gaddafi. I mean, Gaddafi, he wrote an excellent book, and the things that he was able to do in Libya. Um, you know, Giving everybody in Libya housing, right? Electricity. I mean, amazing, the things that he did. And then you see how the media demonizes him, and then they go kill him. And so this, this is what happens. When you get a leader that's actually for the people, helping the economy, helping the people, the current power structure, the secret societies and the Zionists that are in place now, they don't want that. They don't want you to. They don't, they don't want to expose that countries, not under the grip of a Rothschild usury central bank, are able to thrive. That's why they want to go into Iran. That's why they went into all these other Middle Eastern countries. They don't want anyone giving a good example of how a, a good leader who loves his people can actually lift their people above. And they don't want you to see that governments can actually be good, like the Libyan government was. They, they, don't, they don't want you to see that governments could actually help you pay for housing, help you pay for educa real education, electricity, the bread and oil and everything was so cheap there. The things that he was able to achieve in such a short time, just like Hitler, are amazing. That's why they demonize these people. Oh, absolutely. So um, I always say, no matter what they're saying, if you look 180 degrees in the other direction, chances are you're going to come up with the truth. Right? Like we were saying, the Flat Earthers and the Holocaust deniers, these are two of the most ridiculed positions in the world, yet I find these two subjects to be two of the most important subjects that people should be studying, the Flat Earth and the so-called Holocaust, which is a Jewish word for, uh, you know, for yeah. sacrifice. Yeah, we, we know what the real Holocaust was, the firebombing of Dresden and the other working-class sure, working class neighborhoods. The, the 40 million uh, that were killed uh, under the, the Red Communists, which are mostly uh, gene-controlled. So, I mean, Hitler supposedly is 6 million, which is complete farce, uh, is nothing compared to the 40 million under, under these victims. These oh, the, well, 40 victims. million has to, the numbers can go as high as 90 million. So, let's face it, the Bolsheviks won the war, and that's who's ruling us now. So, that's who's writing the history, and that's why you get a new Holocaust movie from Hollywood every year showing you how the Jews are victims and Hitler is evil. And every year in school I was taught a unit about how Hitler was evil, and I never once in my textbooks read about Stalin or, or anything Stalin did. Well, Uncle Joe, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't even talk about it. They just conveniently skip over him and go right to the devil, Hitler, and they never tell you that he was actually a response to what... Uh, Stalin was doing exactly. Basically. If you look at it in that terms, he's basically the antithesis of Stalin and what Stalin was trying to do. Stalin was the one trying to take over the world. Now everyone 
accuses Hitler like that's what Hitler's plan was. Hitler just wanted PC. He wanted. He offered. To, well, that's, that's the other thing I was gonna say. You mentioned JFK and uh, his his uh, plan for the economy, as well as the disarmament. Adolf Hitler wanted disarmament. He offered dis complete disarmament many times if the country, the surrounding countries, would do it, and they wouldn't at all. He, he had like over twenty peace offers that he made to uh, England, America, Poland, all these countries. They all refused. And people from every race fought with Hitler. Yes, yes. It's not that they make it like it's some racial thing. It's not at all. I mean, Hitler was. You know, how many? Do you know how many? There was like dozens. I, I can't remember how many different races, but, um, yeah, people from all over the world came to, to fight for this cause. Yeah, I recommend the documentary I put together called Adolf Hitler versus the Jew World Order. Uh, has a lot of the greatest story I never told, and Hellstorm, and Jewish Ritual Sacrifice, and some other really good documentaries uh, I took from that, and I took from a bunch of other uh, great channels on YouTube and everything, and I made this compilation which kind of it, it exposes the myths about Hitler and the truth about Hitler. And I think this is one of, other than the flat earth, this is one of the most important topics that we can get out because, you know, a, a man that really wasn't a bad man at all has been demonized into, like, like he, he was the worst, most evil oh, person. Oh, he, he's, Hitler is synonymous with evil today. I can't agree more, Eric. The, these are two linchpin issues that, that we've brought up, and I thank you so much for your time today. I'm afraid we're out of time. I can't believe it. As usual, when I have a great guest, it flies by. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.